This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. If you would, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. When you get to Psalm 89, we're going to read the first eight verses as our text, though we'll look at other scriptures uh, in the psalm as we go into the message. Psalm 89, beginning in verse 1, and here's what the Word of God says. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant, Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations, Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee or to thy faithfulness? round about thee. Let's ask God's help. Father, we rejoice in being able to be together this morning. We know those weeks and months where we couldn't meet, and Lord, we just don't want to ever take for granted the blessing of assembly. So thank you for it. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us. We're gathered here because we're needy people. We need for you to speak to us from your word. Holy Spirit, we need you to examine and touch our hearts. Help us to see truth, and where we see truth, convict us about our lives being in line with that truth. So do a work in our hearts. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. I love the word and the concept of faithfulness. To me, in my thinking, and it's just mine, Faithfulness is one of the highest virtues that every Christian should seek to attain. I love faithfulness in men of God. I love it when preachers, now I don't say this has to be what God does in their life, but I, I love the testimonies of preachers who have been in a place 40, 50 years. I love the testimonies of faithful Sunday school teachers and faithful Christian workers that man, woman, who's been on that bus route for 25 or 30 years. What an exceptional person. I, I kiddingly say that I think the greatest crown in heaven will be for Sunday school teachers who taught junior high boys and uh, taught them 30 or 40 years. That is a crown that is earned, I assure you. I love faithfulness in marriage, don't you? We live in such a faithless generation I love faithfulness in marriage, marriages that reach that 50-year mark, 60-year mark. 
I, I told the morning service a couple of months ago, I was listening to our local news in Charlotte, and I heard them celebrating a couple that was kind of in the middle of the state, and uh, it was D.W. and Willie Wilson. They were both over 100 years old and had been married 82 years. They asked D.W. what the secret to their long marriage was. They were celebrating it at their church, and he simply said, keeping Christ in the middle of it. And I thought, what a powerfully wonderful testimony for our faithless generation. But understand that when we talk about the faithfulness of men, as much as we love that, all of it is simply a reflection of the faithfulness of our God. How God is faithful to us. And I want to note that as our topic this morning. I just want to think for a few moments on the faithfulness of God. Notice in Psalm 89 just a couple of things. If your Bible has ascriptions, in other words, uh, tells you something about who wrote the psalm, my Bible says that it is a masculine of Ethan the Ezraite. Now that word masculine is an easy word. It simply means in the Hebrew, a poem to instruct. Something that is written, a song or a psalm, written so that we can learn a truth uh, from the word of God. And uh, certainly as I read this psalm, notice in verse 1, thy faithfulness to all generations, that last phrase. Verse 2, latter phrase, thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Verse 5, latter phrase, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Verse 8, and again the last phrase, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. Hey, I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, I assure you, but in the first eight verses of a psalm that is written to instruct us about something, and I read the phrase, thy faithfulness, referring to the Lord, I get it, this psalm is about God's faithfulness. Now I want you to notice not only the topic, but I want you to notice the author. The Bible says it is written by Ethan the Ezraite. That's an interesting title. Right away from that title and then looking it up in Scripture, I understand something about Ethan. He is a Levite. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, I learned something about him. He is a Levite who is evidently gifted musically because he is given responsibility to create songs, psalms, and then to lead them in the worship services for the Hebrew people. And so he might play a stringed instrument. He might be a composer. He certainly is a spiritually minded man who can write a great poem. Now, not only that, but I want you to understand that he is, uh, as a Levite and as a writer, a very wise person, very smart guy. I won't have you turn there, but in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 31, his wisdom is compared to the wisdom of Solomon. Now, it doesn't say he's as wise as Solomon, but I would suggest to you that if you are in the same verse about the wisdom of Solomon in comparison, you're a pretty wise guy. So I want to put this together. Ethan, the Levite, the Ezraite, <coughs> a gifted man, 
with the responsibility of writing things that will encourage and instruct the people of God, has God say to him, Ethan, I want you to write a psalm to my people about faithfulness, constancy. I love to look up names in the Old Testament. They're often instructive about the character of the person. I got my Strong's Concordance out. I looked up Ethan, and you know what's amazing? What his name is literally in the Hebrew, constant. And so here's Ethan, whose very name says something perhaps about his character. He's a faithful guy. He's a constant guy. He's a smart guy. And God wants him to write to Israel and thus also to instruct us about the faithfulness of our God. Hey, now all of that to me is interesting. I hope you find it interesting. But to be honest with you, what I absolutely love about this is third, when was this psalm written? I can understand if God wanted to remind his people about his faithfulness if it was written when David was king. David, the sweet singer of Israel. David, the man after God's own heart. David, the man who never lost a battle. Every army he led was victorious. David, the man who took that kingdom and grew it from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. I could understand if God said, hey, Ethan, remind my people as they look at all this, I'm faithful to them. But it wasn't written when David was king. I could even understand it a bit if it was written when Solomon was king. At least under Solomon, the kingdom really came to its zenith. More cities were built. More cities were strengthened. More libraries. Just there, It was a great cultural expansion. The world recognized that he was the wisest of the wise. And I could understand if God said, would you remind the world that it's my faithfulness to Israel that created this? But it wasn't written when Solomon was king. You know when it was written? It was written in those horrible years when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, was very unwise. And instead of accepting the advice of the elders, he took the advice of the younger men and the kingdom was rent in two. Jeroboam came back from Egypt and led 10 tribes away from the from the confederacy of those tribes and founded a nation that we refer to as Israel with its capital at Samaria. And, and Rehoboam was left with two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, Benjamin with capital in Jerusalem. And they warred with each other and grew to hate each other. And it looked like everything was over. Everything was in ruin. Never would the promises of the covenant of David be fulfilled. Israel, as we understood it, was no more and everything and failed. And it was at that moment that God said, Ethan, would you write a psalm to my people that tells them regardless of what circumstances look like, my promises never fail. And I am faithful to my people to accomplish what I said I would accomplish regardless of what it looks like on the outside. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about you, but I've noticed a little bit of turmoil in our world. Have you? I've, learned, I've, I've seen things a little topsy-turvy, and quite frankly, it, it just makes you wonder sometimes, is everything crazy? 
Is, is anything what I thought it was? Is there anything stable? And God speaks into our world and God speaks into our lives and God reminds us regardless of what it looks like in 2020, I have not changed. And I am faithful. And so as we read this, we understand our God is faithful, but our concentration is this. Because our God is faithful, Ethan says to us, because God is faithful, here's what your response ought to be. Notice several of them with me this morning. Here's number one in verse one. Ethan says, because God is faithful, we ought to celebrate God's faithfulness. Look at verse one again. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Well, that would make a great song, don't you think? I think somebody ought to write a chorus about that. Oh, wait a minute, they have. <laughs> we can be so quick to grumble, can't we? So quick to complain. And here's the truth. We don't often think of ourselves this way. We are the most affluent and blessed culture and generation of people who have ever inherited the earth or inhabited the earth. We are blessed people. And it is sad and it is not innocent that too often, even though we are greatly blessed of God, what God and this world hears from our lips is complaining. God tells us to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Some days I can't get through a day where I don't do everything with murmurings and disputings. I fuss at traffic. I fuss at the news. I fuss at people. I even fuss with me. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying to you, we will never win a lost world if we are grumblers and complainers about what God allows into our lives and our world. There was a day that Israel was rejoicing when they came up out of bondage. Oh, God was so good. They sang his praises, came to the Red Sea. God delivered them by by splitting that Red Sea, they cross over into the wilderness and because of their poor decisions, they live 40 years wandering through the wilderness of Sinai. When I say the wilderness of Sinai, boy, understand it is a wilderness. It could not sustain life of a nation that size. It couldn't grow crops. It couldn't sustain your herds. And yet, there was not one day of those 40 days or 40 years where they lacked for food, where they lacked for uh, nutrition, where they lacked for water. When there was no water, God provided water. Six days out of the seven, God provided for them manna. The Bible says it was nutritious. It tasted like fresh oil. It was a marvelous thing. And yet, in the midst of God sustaining them, realize after seeing miracle after miracle, after living the miracle of manna and delivered water, they came to the place where they loathed the white bread God gave them. 
They complained about God's provision for them and the circumstances they found themselves in, and it was not an innocent thing. It was not attractive. It was not adorning to the testimony of God for God's people to complain about His providence and His provision and shame on us. When all people hear from us is complaint and negativity and cynicism, when we live as the most blessed people the world has ever, ever known, you say, preacher, what should be on our lips. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, even when I have to wear a mask. Even when COVID messes with my schedule. Even when traffic's bad and it rains on Sunday mornings. It's, it's so elementary that we chuckle. And yet it robs us of the ability to be a true testimony to those that we work around that are lost. It robs us of the ability to be a testimony to our neighbors because we join into the complaint and the fussing when what we ought to do is celebrate how good God is in the midst of it. Here's number two. Our faith can rest on God's faithfulness. Well, there's not a lot of things that we can count on in this world. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, culture changes. I don't even recognize our culture from when I was a teenager and, and when I was a young adult and when I was a young parent. And, and the change of things is expediting or accelerating and it's just hard to keep a hold of it and, and see this great, great change. Our fashions change. Everything changes. Our bodies change. And I don't know about you, but I'm a person that doesn't adjust well to change. I like things to stay where they are. I, I like the things to stay how they are. My body has gotten old, and it can't do what it used to do. And, and that frustrates me sometimes. And I, I just want things to stop and stand still for a moment. I heard a woman whisper to her child. Her child was just a little, maybe a toddler, one and a half, two years old, and she was just kind of wishing out loud. She said, I don't want you to grow old. I want you to stay right like you are. I've heard my mother, my mother, my wife, do not tell her I said that. My, my wife, who is a grandmother to our children, I've heard her bemoan, oh, now they're going to college and now they're gone and now they don't need us and now this, that, and the other. And I just wish it was when they were little and I watched them and this, that, and the other. And hey, life just has a way of moving on. It doesn't stop. It always changes. And that can be frustrating and frightening to us. And a lot of people live in fear because they don't know where it's going and they don't know what tomorrow holds but I want you to understand that we have a God who never changes and who is sovereign over change I want you to get a hold of that God is sovereign over change he is not changing himself 
but he gave us a world that changes and he put some things in the world so that we could know we can rest in him. Do you see what that says in the last part of verse two? Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Now, I am not a scientific mind, that's for sure, but let me tell you a couple of things. Did you notice this morning, it was kind of cloudy, but did you notice that the sun came up? Did you? Good. Did you, are you aware that here in a few hours, the sun is going to go down? Now, here's deep science. Did you know that tomorrow it's going to come back up? You say, preacher, what are you, what are you acting like that for? What are you saying that for? Because we dismiss that as innocent. We dismiss that as the laws of Mother Nature. There is no Mother Nature, but there's a Creator God who said, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you that the day ends and night comes. Hope comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And even though there are dark spots in your life, light comes again. It too shall pass because I am sovereign in change. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I know what you need and I know where I'm taking you. Amen. Spring becomes summer. Summer becomes fall. Fall becomes winter. Boy, we say, yeah, that's really deep, preacher, the seasons. Hey, our, our life has seasons, but God knows how to make winter transition to spring, and he knows where we are in the seasons of our life. I'm in probably the last season of my life. That doesn't mean anything, but God knows I'm in that. God knows what I need in that. God knows how to take care of me in that. Why in the world do we live in fear when God is sovereign over change? Hey, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what the circumstances of your life are this morning. God knows where you are. God knows what you need. God knows where he's taking you, and he's got you. He's got you. He's holding on to you. The songwriter put it this way. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in the courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness. What for, songwriter? To thy great faithfulness mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. We don't have to live in fear. God knows where we are. Here's number three. No human faithfulness can be compared to God's faithfulness. Look at verse eight. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. God is utterly faithful. Hey, through my life and through my ministry, I have known faithful men and women. I've been privileged to serve with many of them, but they are all human. I got saved in 1975, and I can make this statement. Since I got saved in February of 1975, 
I have attempted to grow in the Lord. I know there are days when I didn't read the Bible, but I guarantee you they are way, 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 way fewer than all the days I've studied it with all I'm worth. I know there are days when I didn't pray as I should, but I pray. I, I know that there are days when I didn't act right, but there are days where my passion was to walk with the Lord. I'm just saying this. For over 45 years, I have tried to walk with God. Well, la-dee-da, do you really think you're something? No. The end of what I'm saying is this. Hang around me long enough, I'll disappoint you. I'll fail you. And so many people have in their mind that, well, I'm not going to go to church because there's so many people that have disappointed me at church and they use the failures of people at church to keep them from serving the Lord. Hey, maybe you're using the failure of a Christian in your life. Might have been a parent, might have been a relative, might have been a friend, but they said they were Christian and they failed you and because they failed you or some other person failed you, you're not going to have anything to do with God in the way that you should because there are too many hypocrites down there. Well, you got one preaching to you. Here's the truth. I don't come to church because I want to worship with hypocrites. I come to church because there's one who has never failed me and who deserves my worship, my adoration, my faithfulness to him. I kiddingly, but it's a true story. My wife, since I've been retired, one of the things I love to do is go grocery shopping with my wife. She does not love it, but I love to go grocery shopping with my wife. And uh, my job is to push the cart. We go only to the fine stores. We go to Walmart. And so we're pushing, I'm pushing the cart dutifully behind her into Walmart. There's a lady there wearing a blue vest with a, a yellow smiley face. Her job, her ministry is to make me feel good about being at Walmart. And she's supposed to welcome me and say, glad you're at Walmart. Thank you. Well, I'm going in. I'm expecting it. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to be nice back to her and say, boy, it's good to be here. Glad to see you. She makes eye contact with me, turns and walks away and does not greet me and welcome me to Walmart. Can I be honest with you? I'm never going back to Walmart because <laughs> there are too many hypocrites at Walmart. She wore the smiley face. She wore it, man. Come on, I don't go there because I need somebody to make, make me feel good about myself. I go there because peanut butter is cheaper at Walmart. <laughs> we get so goofy in our thinking and we think church is about people. Church is about God. Amen. And he's never failed us. And he's pleased when he hears our voices sing. Brother, I love how you lead singing. He's pleased when we sing songs that talk about redeemed. And literally it just moves us because we know we don't deserve to be redeemed. But why would we let men's failures keep us out of church for worshiping a God who's never failed us? Hey, notice this. God will be faithful to you. Look at verse 24 very quickly. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. Just a moment to unpack it. If we had time, we'd go back to, I think it was verse 3 and 4, and we would see that the, really the context of this psalm is a promise that God made to David that one of his line would sit in perpetuity on the throne ruling in Jerusalem. 
that will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ, son of David, sits on the throne and we rule and reign with him for those thousand years. But now the kingdom is broken up and it doesn't look like God's going to fulfill that promise. That promise is broken. But God writes and says, no, 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 I keep my promises to my people. And I stand back and look at that and I say, well, yeah, I, I get it. God's not going to let a promise to David fall. God's going to honor his promise to David because God uses David and God uses Paul and God uses Moses and God uses Peter. I could see how they could count on his promises, but I'm me. Can I remind you of something? God scraped up the same kind of dirt to make Moses and David as he scraped up to make Mike. And just like God had a plan for their lives, he's got a plan for yours and mine. And God wants to use us to accomplish his will and plan just like he wanted to use them. And he's made promises to us. And I don't care what our culture is. I don't care what our world is. I don't care what circumstances are. I don't care if the economy is up or down. I don't care if a Republican is in office or a Democrat. God's promises to you do not fail. And he wants to use you. He's got a purpose for you met so many people that just, they, they just look down on themselves as if somehow they're not worthy. God says you're worthy of his promises. Last, your sin does not change God's faithfulness. Look at verse 31. If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from them, him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Or stay hold, get a hold of this. David was a great man. And if we went to Acts chapter 13, we would see that David fulfilled his course. David accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. But let's say the other truth about David. He failed many times. And he failed miserably. He was an immoral man. He, he was the king and he sent his army out and a man who was loyal to him named Uriah and honored him and loved him as his leader. David sent him out to the battle and he hazarded his life. And while that man who honored David and hazarded his life for his king was out at that battle, David took his wife. That's repugnant. Repulsive. When she was with child, David murdered this man who honored him so much that he wouldn't even go into his wife when David made him drunk in the city. You want to talk about character? Uriah had it. David didn't. Uriah lost his life, and for one full year, David played at it. I'm king, I'm king, I love God, I love God. And he was eaten up and rotten inside. God sent Nathan, that man, to David and Nathan told the story of that little ewe lamb and David was angry at it and then Nathan pointed out, thou art the man and I love what David did. You know what he did? He humbled himself. He confessed his sin before an entire kingdom. 
He said, I have absolutely sinned and failed God. Here's the part I love. You know what God did? God restored him. God restored him. God used him. God blessed him. You say, are you exalting sin? No, I'm exalting a merciful, compassionate God who loves you and wants to use you and says to you, stop using your failure as a reason to not get right with me. I had a man come to the altar been several years ago. <clears throat> when I was pastoring, he came down and he, he did this to me. So, of course, I went down, thought he wanted to pray with me. When I got down there, I said, how can I help? And he said, I shouldn't be here. I said, what do you mean you shouldn't be here? And he said, what you preached on this morning, I, I've, I've responded six or seven times about that. And I leave the altar and for a day I do right, for a month I do right, one time for a couple of years I did right. And, and now I am, here I am again. God doesn't want me here. I failed. Boy, I had the opportunity to say to him, stop it. God brought you here. God's Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart through his word, through the preaching of his word, and God, God drew you down here. And I don't care if it's the 10th time. Matter of fact, I don't care if it's seven times, 70 times. God has spoken to you and brought you here and the response is, I want to get right. Sometimes we have this picture in our mind, we're fundamental Baptists and man, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of the fundamental hard Baptists of the world and we kind of, if we're not careful, have this picture that God is up there with a lightning bolt looking for which one of us fails. That's not the picture of God at all. You know the picture of God? An unwise boy goes down, takes his father's living, goes down into the far country, and he spends it stupidly and wickedly and is reduced to feeding hogs. The Bible, I love how it says it, one day he came to himself. He said, what am I doing here? Why? I'm a child of, of my father. Why am I living like this? And he said, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going back. And when he starts that journey, I wonder if he has in his mind, I guess dad's probably going to have to beat me a bunch, you know. And, but man, it's better than the hog pen. Or maybe he thinks God will just, I mean, his dad will just turn him away. But I, in my mind, I see him finally making that turn home, returning from that pig pen. And instead of seeing a father whose arms are crossed and no, he sees his father with arms wide open. That's our God. And our God wants you to start over. And our God will meet you when you start over. And our God will help you when you start over. Because our God is faithful, faithful, faithful. What's your need? Can I mention one last thing in the invitation? Did you know that God is faithful to save all those who will come to him by faith? 1975, I was an ignorant man. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, didn't know the word of God, didn't have a Bible in my home. 
My mother and dad had gotten saved. My mother had gotten a little Bible, underlined Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. A soul winner had preached to me and witnessed to me, told me I was a horrible sinner, told me I was on my way to hell, but Jesus loved me. 45 minutes he preached to me. I couldn't get away from him. Finally got away from him, told him I'd think about it. Got home, was under conviction, took that Bible down. And it opened to Romans 10 and saw where my mother had underlined that. I saw that verse, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I went over to the couch, kneeled down. I knew you should do that. Kneeled down and looked at that verse and I prayed the most deeply theological prayer you've probably ever heard in your life. Oh, it was moving. It went something like this. Oh God, if you can save somebody like me, will you? And he did. And God is still saving those who will admit their need and ask him to save. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.